Welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian Podcast. This is Season 8, Episode 18. First off, you may be wondering, is this the Well-Seasoned Librarian Podcast? Because you heard different intro music. It's true, I've changed up some of my intro music and outro music, and I'm trying something new. I hope you all like it, and I welcome feedback. Today I have the uh, wonderful pleasure of talking to Vicki Benison. She is the uh, person behind the Costa Grannies website and the two uh, well-received cookbooks. Uh, Vicki Benison is just a great guest. I had such a charming, enchanting time talking to her. She's got a marvelous voice, and she could just read from the uh, yellow pages, and it would sound wonderful. So talking to her was amazing, and she's an authority you know, on Italian food and other foods as well. She's written many cookbooks on different regions, from Spain uh, to Italy and more, and she's just very well-versed in uh, European food. And I loved getting a chance to talk to her about her cookbooks and her YouTube sensation. I mentioned in the uh, interview that it reminded me very much of my beloved Foxfire books, that not only do they have information about Appalachia and its history, they talked to people in depth about the region and had really good um, biography pieces about the people in there. And they had them doing crafts and making things that were uh, typical of the region, but also um, really gave, gave a good sense of um, the people and the place like nothing else could. Likewise, Vicky does that with pasta grannies. Um, she really gives an example of the diversity and the individuality of Italy, not some just homogenous idea of it like uh, many cookbooks or travel pieces do. Without any further ado, I'm going to take you to my conversation with Vicky Benison. I know you're going to love it. And here we go. Welcome to the Well Seasoned Librarian Podcast. I'm your host, Dean Jones. Today, I am very honored to have author Vicki Benison on the podcast. Vicki has, since 2004, introduced the world to a wide array of nanas, grandmothers, aka pasta grannies in Italy. These grannies show off their skills in making pasta by hand and other regional Italian dishes through YouTube, but that's not the whole story. This fair YouTube channel has gone on to be profiled by the likes of the New York Times, The Guardian, and more. And in October 2009, saw the release of Pasta Granny's The Official Cookbook, as well as the book Pasta Granny's Comfort Cooking, which came out in September of this year. Vicki, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Now, Vicki, you're internationally known for your food writing, but your background is in international development. This is a large 180 degree turn. What caused the shift and how do you come to food writing? Well, it wasn't really a 180 degree shift um, because I grew up in Africa and that meant going to boarding school. And that meant two things. It meant letters home <laughs> and the fact that cooking was a reminder of home. So all those letters were just full of food. So that's how I got into writing about food from about the age of five onwards. Um, and then with a career in, in international development, uh, you know, going to visit the food markets um, was one of the first ways to kind of get the pulse of a country or a region. And again, I would find myself writing home about it. So there was always that sort of um, push to write. Um, and so then I started writing more and so the consulting was happening in parallel to the actual writing. So it wasn't, it was a kind of shift <laughs> rather than a spin. <laughs> now you divide your time between the United Kingdom and La Marche. How did you first find yourself in Italy? 
Well, um, I first found myself in Italy when I was five years old because I'm old enough um, that for my parents, flying back and forward from Africa wasn't the way you did it. You went by boat. Um, and so as a young girl, we would end up in Venice. So you would end up with a very special plate of spaghetti at the end of this journey. Nice. Um, <laughs> so that was my introduction to Italy. Um, and then I actually chose um, Marche because of the port of Ancona and the fact that it's on the way to Greece, which is a very random thing. But my parents um, have a, a home in Greece. So I thought, oh, I'll still see them if, if I buy somewhere nearby. <laughs> <laughs> or I move somewhere nearby, then, then you know, I'll still see my family and, and things. So that's how the decision decision was made in that particular area of Italy, Marche, which is on the Adriatic, um, Croatian-facing side of Italy. Your first book was about Mallorca, The Taste of a Place, A Culinary mm -hmm. Guide to a Beautiful Island, which is a very beautiful and lush book. How did you come to write this book? So actually, there are links um, between that and international development, because one of the things that you often I used to come across quite a lot was this idea of sustainable tourism and how tourism was often seen as an answer to a lot of countries or regions problems. Um, and so you in in thinking about that, there was this idea of, well, you can't make it too sort of hair shirty and um, and you know a penance to sort of be sustainable you have to make it fun and yeah. the best way to make it fun is is to eat well yeah <laughs> so the the sort of unspoken sort of push behind the the books was that you could go you arm yourself with a culinary guide that actually was taking you to small businesses uh, rather than the sort of well-known brands and stuff and taking you off the, the sort of main tourist attractions and into the countryside and get to know um, all the wonderful sort of traditions. And in so doing, you'll be engaging in in sustainable tourism. But I just didn't tell you that's what you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the idea behind the book. Okay. <laughs> now, the book Pasta Granny's Comfort Cooking Traditional Family Recipes from Italy's Best Home Cooks came out last month to much acclaim. It's full of great recipes and making pasta and other dishes of Italy, but mostly it's a testament to the women cooking the food. What impressed me the most when I was reading this was how much it reminded me of the Foxfire books, which also captured a still life of a region of America. So an, about what is being created, but also not, it, it had kind of multiple layers there. Do you want to talk about um, why you wrote this book and started the YouTube podcast and how it all came together for you? So the, the focus has kind of shifted. Initially, um, I was looking at, um, oh, my goodness, all these different types of pasta are no longer being made. And it's only older women that are um, making pasta by hand in Italy. You know, the sort of tradition is shifting is that pasta making is now becoming professionalized. And it's no longer something that was is a life skill um, for women. Um, and so I'm just turning that. You're, that's good that's fine take that. i can yep. take that out um and so um so it was the kind of focus was just initially the pasta but then it very quickly became partly because that's what i'm interested in is the sort of anthropological aspect of it the sociological aspect of it it became as just trying to um, a way of 
making uh, pasta becomes the lens through which you um, encounter these women and this makes it easier for them to talk about their lives and so um, I always say that people come for the pasta and stay for the grannies you know we're, we're witnessing a generation um, that who through circumstances are very special um, and very resourceful and resilient and and I hope I paid tribute um, to them so we're on a mission still, still traveling. <laughs> I was going to say, I really love how you highlight the personalities and the individual uh, person that you're interviewing and kind of going through, you know, the making of the pasta. And I know mm. that sometimes they're, they're like, they don't even want to uh, be filmed, but they'll make you lunch. <laughs> and it's, you, you, they're kind of all <laughs> unique and you kind of really show their, their, who they are and really show their personalities. Um, have you have you got a chance to kind of revisit some of these people and what have they thought about being on YouTube? Have any of them been able to see themselves on YouTube? Well, we always tell them. I mean, we not what happens is that you know YouTube is a is a bit of a mystery um, to women who are eighty five plus. Mm -hmm. So it's usually um, a member of their family that we tell. So I have a granny finder called Livia De Giovanni, and uh, she's she's kind of like the social rep, if you like. <laughs> she's, yeah. So, so she makes sure, you know, when we, when, first of all, we find the grandmothers, it's through the family and through, um, you know, they have to agree. It's a kind of group thing. It's not the grandmothers themselves making that decision in isolation. And so then you, um, having been on, on the, you know, having had your video posted, um, some people actually love it and really enjoy the experience. And then we go back to them several times if we can. Um, so we've recently, um, so this week's video is a woman called Ada, uh, who we've actually filmed three times now. Um, and so when it, when the video is actually posted, we then tell the family that it's up and, you know, that, you know, they have a chance. They all love it. Um, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> now, this has been going on for over eight years now. You started in 2014. Yeah. And you have mm -hmm. close to half a million subscribers, which is pretty amazing. What do you think? Uh, so that's an out of, well, so actually it's two and a half million across the three. Oh, wow. Um, the three, so <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Um, it's, 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 yes. It, I mean, every time I look at it, I go, wow. I mean, that's, that's, a, you know, several football stadiums. It's a small yeah. town. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> what do you think of makes it so successful? Uh, I think it's a kind of visual warm hug. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I've had a lot of, I mean, particularly during lockdown, I've had loads of people write in and say how it's kept them sane. And every time, you know, they feel stressed or something, they, they sort of, they give themselves a dose of pasta grannies. Um, I mean, obviously that's not what I set out to do, but it's how it's turned out. And I'm very humbled that people respond so positively um, to it. Um, and that is partly um, how the second book came about because it's called Comfort Cooking, because so many people wrote in and said these, these things about how they felt about pasta grannies. And so the the collection of recipes is is less about finding every single shape across Italy. It's more about um, those recipes that have resonance with the viewers. And so there are several um, recipes for lasagna, for example, because everybody loves lasagna. And also they love pizza and 
and you know puddings are comforting so that's how you know there's a tiramisu and um and bounette which is just lovely nutty chocolatey pudding and they're dead easy to make because because i can't make pudding so they have to be easy <laughs> i was really surprised by i thought it was just gonna be pasta so when i saw the desserts i was like wow and then the one, the the chocolate, the brunette you, you mentioned yeah. looked looked really beautiful. I'm like, I really want that. That looks good. <laughs> nice. They're really kind of like a Moorish. You like like I could really eat that. That that looks amazing. And then the um the pies were were unique. They're not the lot of the traditional pies I'm used to seeing. Although I don't think we always have a great image of Italian food in America. We probably kind of cartoonize it. So I really like seeing these authentic things. It kind of made me sit up and go, oh, wow, that's interesting. I want to read more about that. Mm, um, pies are interesting. So, so the pies, I think, I don't, I'm not, a, I'm not a historian, but I think that there's kind of uh, this resonance of Greece and, and things like that in these pies and the way that the, the, the pastry is made and, um, you know, the, the, uh, the pasta matter looks like um you know the uh, the the turkish um pasta and i suppose it's the limit to amount of how, you know the variations you can you can do with wheat flour and water but um it's uh i that's it's a particular thing of liguria and absolutely um i think it's a wonderful thing they have so many different types of of pies vegetable pies mostly and cheesy pies and, and stuff so we had to get them in because they are so delicious um yeah there was a uh, one thing i liked a lot i thought it was really amazing was a uh, fried kind of dough for breakfast well the herby one for breakfast it's like a yeah. pancake yeah 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 um, that looked really and good and you fry it up and it, and it kind of makes so it's a sort of scrambled pancake which yeah, is yeah, full yeah. of lovely herbs. That is that one. Yeah, yes, yeah. I was thinking deep fried. It's like, oh no, I'm. Um, um, the Italians aren't great at breakfast, so the yeah. So this is wonderful, um, unpronounceable um, pancake batter um, that uh, you 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 make it's eggs and flour and stuff like that, and then you chuck in all the herbs that you can find. And, and the unusual bit of that was the uh, lovage. Um, and uh, do you need me to say the name because I'm going to have to look it up? No, it's okay. No, it's no, no, Italian. It's, fine. <laughs> it's not Italian. So it's like well, that's the very interesting thing about um, you know uh, when we're filming is you say, "Do I speak Italian?" And is yes, I do. And do I understand them? No, I don't, because there's so many different regional accents that are so different. And the closer you get to other borders like Austria or Slovenia, and the more uh, you know, you you end up going, "Ooh." <laughs> didn't understand a word of that one <laughs> so, and of course pronunciations so very different but it's um it's, it's a variety that keeps you on your toes let's put it that way <laughs> you mentioned you have a go-between that kind of works with you to find yes. um, the grannies do you have like a selection process what are you looking for when you find them so um we we do we say okay we're going to abruzzo what are the passes that we're going to find in abruzzo <clears throat> excuse me i'll just take a drink of water um, you're good um so we'll say we're going to abruzzo let's you know what can we cover where should we go first and then um, I will sort of say, actually, I really need to, um, we, I think we should definitely do, you know, pasta alla munyaya, which is this kind of big circular um, single rope of, of pasta. 
And uh, so then Livia um, will do um, make contact with um, little organizations called ProLoco, which are like little um, promotional organizations attached to town councils and or the organizers of um, food fairs and, and festivals and then things. And so ask them who they can recommend. So um, that's how we find them is they then make these suggestions. Livia then introduces pasta grannies um, and uh, the, the family and the grandmother decide whether they want to be involved. And sometimes they say no. And that's absolutely fine. Um, they, you know, they they can change their minds at any stage. I've even once, thank goodness, it hasn't happened more often, but I've actually got into a kitchen and someone said, "Oh, I don't want to have my face in this." <laughs> oh, <laughs> Ooh, I'm sorry, you said that. <laughs> um, so mostly they, you know, it's, it's like they mostly they kind of see it as a huge event, and they'll go to the hairdressers and they'll get in their Sunday best and. Um, you know, and and everybody has a lovely time. So, so that's good. Now, I noticed there's a lot of different uh, pasta shapes and um, types that mm -hmm. I've never seen before. Mm -hmm. Are you constantly surprised by the different um, pastas that are being made on the show? Y yes. I always think, yeah, we must have done it by now. <laughs> eight years of doing this, we, we've done it all. And actually, we haven't. We're still finding new pastas or new names for pastas because that's quite often what happens. Um, you know, there'll be several different names depending where you are. But I think it's uh, when you sort of reflect that um, Italy is only 150 years old or whatever it is. Um, and that before that, I think, you know, yeah. since 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 pasta is a, actually a group activity and because you have all these different um uh, um, dialects and stuff and you have to have consensus about what it is that you're making I think is not so surprising that you then end up with different types of pasta names pasta shapes because you've got a group of women making it so you can get these little variations and shapes and stuff you know as you kind of go over the mountain or round the corner <laughs> so that's I think how it's how that's actually um um, um thanks to someone who pointed that out to me I haven't developed that theory on all on my own but it's, it's it's language that's driven the diversity partly and then on top of that there's the geography of Italy um and um so that the mountains um and the sort of huge changing climate which affects what can be grown so in southern Italy you you get durum wheat flour and in in central and northern Italy it's tender wheat flour, soft wheat flour, um, and of course, rice. So that's why rice is in the book, is because until very recently, um, you know, pasta wasn't the sort of main carbohydrate in Northern Italy. Uh, you know, um, polenta and rice were one of the favorites, some of the favorites. Um. This episode is sponsored by Culinary Historians of Northern California, a Bay Area educational group dedicated to the study of food, drink, and culture in human history. To learn more about this organization and their work, please visit their website at www.chnorcal.org.
we often have in, in America, we have a cartoonized version of Italian food where it's all kind of homogenous, but it seems from looking at your show and talking to other guests, it seems like there's a lot of variety and, and there's not a lot of homogenousness as far as like how the food goes. It's different in different regions and maybe people from different parts wouldn't cook the same things. Is it kind of different from area to area in Italy? Very much so. Mm. Um, so someone from Liguria won't have any idea what someone from Calabria is cooking um, and actually very little interest in what they're cooking and vice versa. Um, and um, I, th I think it's so. So in America, you know, the sort of huge numbers of Italians that went over, you know, they, they move because of extreme poverty yeah. and then met the land of plenty. And and then also, I, I, I mean, you correct me when you're one of your viewers will correct me is, is like sort of whole villages pretty much would sort of translocate um, and then you would end up with a version of what was being cooked in that village so that then that gets extrapolated out as what Italian food is but actually it's from you know an area south of Naples um, that has gone on to become popular and given rise to uh, Italian American cooking which I think is distinct to what is happening in Italian um, cooking gastronomy traditions that kind of thing. What Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you have any favorites of the different? I mean, I know that's probably a very hard question, but do you have any that kind of stuck with you and are some of your favorites of the different pastas? Yeah, I, I do have a great fondness for Liguria um, because of its use of herbs. Um, so one of my favorite um, recipes, and, and, you know, I have dozens and, you know, it might vary from day to day what my favorite is, but it's a it's a ravioli that's called panzotti. And it's filled with um, foraged wild herbs. And then it's served with um, a walnut and garlic um, pesto, um, mm. which is, uh, it's absolutely delicious. That sounds um, amazing. That's, <laughs> and that's book one, actually, that, that's in. Um, but it, yes. Now, do you have any tips for people that are starting out making pasta? It looks, I mean, when I watch the pasta grannies make it, it looks so simple, but I know this is deceptive because I've seen people make tortillas and they make it look easy. And when I go to make tortillas, I, I bungle it. So any tips for people that are starting out like me? Yeah, um, pick an easy pasta. I'll say that again. You can just hear, can you hear my? No, I can't, uh, I just hear you. You're, you're actually doing oh, okay. really good. Yeah. good. Um, so uh, my advice uh, to you um, would be to pick an easy pasta, one that doesn't necessarily need um say rolling out a sfoglia to a very thin uh, you know a thin uh, layer it's it's try something like um cavatelli which is you just make a dough and then snip bits off and roll your thumb along it and then voila you have pasta um and then you know decide whether you like doing it and then um you know commit to doing a certain amount of practice if you want to evolve your um, pasta making technique it's quite easy to get to a competent level to be really good it does take practice it does take several years but you don't have to achieve that before you start eating really great pasta <laughs> do you have anything that surprised you over the years as you've done this this program and if you've worked um, with 
so many different people over the years. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything that's kind of come across to you that surprised you coming out of this? Um, well, I'm always really impressed by everyone's generosity. I mean, if you think of it from their point of view, is is a bunch of strangers, four of us, kind of invade their kitchen and they haven't met them before, and how welcoming they are and they always um you know they sort of cook for us they don't cook for youtube or the audience out there they're just making it for us um so that's always um something that impresses me and i suppose the other thing that you notice is um a couple of things one is there aren't any um comfortable chairs um so these women never sit down um they're always on the move which is why they're still healthy and active and and stuff in their 80s um and no cookery books <laughs> they have learnt um from their mothers and their family and don't need cookery books um so they have this kind of collection in their head um so that's and you know younger cooks that, that changes but that of that generation that's where it's at they they have mastered these um the set of recipes from about the age of eight onwards and that's kept them going through their life in many ways, this is an archival project, and you're, you're doing something where you're kind of taking a snapshot, snapshots, I should say, of, of a region and a people and mm -hmm. a time. Um, this, to me, is very fascinating and, and pretty exciting because, you know, historically, this will be kind of, this will be a benchmark in history where this will be known and people can go and look at this and this is being saved. Have you heard anything from people in Italy or like appreciative of this being kind of saved and, and kind of put on record? Um, Italy is, is uh, there are some, yes, there are lots of Italians who are very appreciative um, and also at the same time acknowledging that, you know, they sh Italians should do more themselves, um, you know, and of course there are guardians of recipes and then special organizations and, and I think I'm sure that in the future there will be, you know, other projects that actually take advantage of, um, you know, social media or new technology and, and have more inventive ways of preserving and promoting those traditions. Um, you know, there's a certain irony that that, that is me, a non-Italian, that's doing that. And I always say that actually it takes an outsider to get an overview. Um, you know, yeah. the Italians have a particular passion and love of 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 the food of their area um you know it's not all of this idea of italy is is not as strong in italians heads as it is for you know americans about this idea of italy it's not homogenous um well vicky i want to thank you for being on the program i've really enjoyed getting a chance to talk to you and i'm very excited about um the pasta granny's book and your, your previous books as well. And I'm gonna put links uh, to them on the bio on the website and they can be purchased online or through better bookstores. I wanna encourage people to do that and also watch the YouTube program. We'll have a link for that also. Vicki, thank you for being on the podcast. It's been an honor. Oh, absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And that's it. And thank you very much. I just, I'm so honored to have you on the podcast. <laughs> it's been lovely talking to you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. I want to come to Italy someday. I hope to uh, get a chance to. No, I've been so encouraged by some people I've talked to, and it's going to happen for me someday. I'm really looking forward to it. And this Which is really you helped. Want to go to? Well, I mean, now that I, I don't know, because there are so many different places I've been reading about. And I want to go to, um, of course, I want to go to Rome. How could I yeah. not? You know, 
but I also would like to visit some other regions. I'm not really sure where, but I also want to go to Sardinia and mm. I want to try some other places around there too and just see, I don't know, I'm still trying to figure it out, but I don't want to just be the tourist and go to Rome. I'd like to kind of stay a little bit and like spend, you know, three weeks there and kind of like, you know, yes. really get to meet people and talk and yeah. Sardinia is amazing. It's, it's, you know, from a sort of anthropological point of view, it's extraordinary. I mean, the, you know, traditions are still thriving there and it's not for tourists, it's, it's for themselves. And, you know, get these sort of guys dressing up as sort of weird animals, you know, with skins and horns and bones. And it's sort of almost, it's like, wow, where's that come from? Um, and, you know, the sort of uh, textile traditions it's not just food it's everything um is extraordinary in sardinia mm. it Definitely. just seems like there's a living history going on still and yeah. it just is really impressive and and what they speak is a language not a dialect i got told and when i you know when i first started doing this and i said oh and i mentioned i referred to sardinian dialect and i got jumped on <laughs> you know, it's oh, like, no. no it is a language oh sorry you know <laughs> have you been to do you come to America often? I'm actually coming over on Saturday. Have you ever seen the, I, I mentioned this because I had talked to two other authors there um, who are Italian and we talked about Olive Garden and one of them, oh, she, yeah. she had basically heard of Olive Garden and she just laughed. She couldn't talk. She was laughing so hard. She couldn't talk about it, which I thought made me laugh really hard because I thought it was hilarious because it is kind of hilarious. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's that land of plenty thing, isn't it? It's all you can eat. Yeah. Um, I don't, which I, is actually the antithesis of, of you know, our grandmothers who are very frugal. Um, you know, they waste not, want not, never eat large quantities. That kind of thing is, is very interesting. I don't, I, because I, I, I see on the show, like people are making pasta, they're making like small portions. In America, it's always like gigantic. It's always like even, I say from Italian people here, they'll do like the Sunday sauce and they'll do all this stuff and it's so over the top and it's like i'm seeing italians do so much less it's sort of subtle it's very yeah. much like you know not such a big production it's very scaled down and i just don't know where, i wonder where the disconnect is sometimes because it i guess maybe because because we're everything here has to be like over the top so maybe that's part of it i think it's that abundance that america has i think you maybe don't notice it but you know, you, you, it's, it was, in, in the past, it was so poor in Italy um, that suddenly you've, you can sort of have shops with things in it and, and stuff is, you know, amazing. And so, of course, you go completely um, like a kid in a sweet shop. You want to eat it all. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. how it started. Um, I, I think. think so. I think we get a misconception of foods, though, because like Mexican food really gets misrepresented in the United States. And it's our neighbor for crying out loud. It's not across the world. Yeah. It's next to us. And we completely get it wrong most of the time. I don't really get it. Yeah. It's weird. Oh, well. Yes, I'm sure there are sort of PhDs to be done on that. You know, the sort of the, the disconnect. The, um, I think food does change the instant you travel with it. There is no getting, you cannot replicate exactly what happens in the home country, if you like, the home region. You know, the, the, the products that you're using are different. The cheeses will never be the same. Uh, you know, the, the temperatures aren't the same. So that's why 
it never tastes the same when you try and reproduce a Greek food, for example, not just Italian. And and then, and that's where the sort of unraveling of that recipe happens. It's, you're adapting it, and then suddenly it's morphed. <laughs> I'm I'm I've heard that McDonald's is not doing well over there, and that makes me happy to hear. I hope it never does. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, the, there is definitely a change. There are things that are happening with Italy. Um, you know, the food um, scene is changing, but but hopefully that won't take foothold. <laughs> I hope not. I'm against it. <laughs> okay, yes. Well, Vicky, thank you so much, and I'll let you go. And I really All appreciate right. you being on the podcast. I'm that was my conversation with Vicky Benison. We have links to her website and her YouTube channel, as well as her cookbooks in the bio. I recommend them heartily. I most um, prominently uh, want to recommend you look at her YouTube channel and watch it. You're going to love it. Uh, you can't not love it. So you're going to want to check that out first, and then definitely get her cookbooks. If you like Italian food and you like to make it, and you're serious about making pasta, you're definitely going to want to get both of these books as well. So uh, you're going to want to get on that also. Next week, I'm going to have a little bit of a diversion. I'm going to have um, two authors on my uh, podcast that won't be talking about cooking, but will be talking about uh, something that's very important to libraries, which is open education. I'm going to have Elizabeth Dill and Marianne Cullen on talking about their book, Intersections of Open Education Resources and Information Literacy. You're going to want to check that out uh, if you um, are you know, somebody who might be going to college soon or has been to college. If you're a faculty member, this will be very important uh, information for you. If you're like me, like a librarian and are interested about open education resources, you're going to want to check this out as well. I'm very glad uh, that you got a chance to listen to this podcast. Um, I always love having people listen to this uh, and give feedback. Um, please share it on social media if you want to have friends listen to it. Uh, I always like when people give recommendations and shouts outs on uh, social media. I hope you all have a very good week and um, you get to try some of the recipes and some of the cookbooks I've featured on the show. Hope you've enjoyed and uh, been maybe introduced to something new on the show as well. Have a really great week and keep on cooking.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 